This time on episode 481 of Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., we discuss the kids' WB show X-Men Evolution, episode 3 of season 1, Rogue Recruit, and episode 4, Mutant Crush. I'm SP from Better Podcasting, a show dedicated to help make your podcast better, and it is part of the Get a Geek Network, just like the show you're checking out now. Shows on the network are individually owned, and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other insightful and wonderful geeky shows at GunnaGeekNetwork.com. You have been granted clearance by director Alfonso Mac McKenzie. Stand by for a shield debriefing. All information to be discussed here is classified and may only be discussed among agents granted clearance by the S.H.I.E.L.D. director. And now it's time for your scheduled debriefing. I'm Agent Lauren. I'm Agent Michelle. I'm Agent Chris. And I'm producer of this show, Director SP. Welcome to Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., a Marvel Studios Productions fan cast. The show is recorded on Saturday, August 12, 2023, live from the Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. studios and broadcast Bayville-wide. Come and join our live chat as we record. And if you didn't already catch on to it, we like talking about the Marvels. Because of accidents, honey, why do we even bother? If you'd like to talk to us about accidents, you can find us at our website, legendsofshield.com. You can... Share your attempt at a bad Southern accent by leaving it on our voicemail at 844-THE-BUS-1. That's 844-843-2871. If X is still a thing, and that's the old bird app, that's how we're going to have to do it now. Share us some of your people with your favorite accents and make sure to tag us at Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. If you'd like to watch a Southerner with a real Texas accent, talk about how she is never going to call it X. It's always going to be Twitter. You can find us on YouTube at youtube.com slash gonna geek. You can get in depth about accents on our discord server at gonnageek.com slash discord. And don't forget that Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. is a proud member of the gonnageek.com network where there is a distinct lack of the Kiwi accent. Yeah, we definitely need some Kiwis, some Aussies. That would be awesome. We have them in the Discord. They're just not on the network. So, you know, hey, come on in, I can do the accent, but it's a not real accent. So (laughs) all I could do is the shrimp on the Barbie one. And that is so insulting that I'm not even going to attempt it right now. So like the second audiobook I ever did, they were like, can you do this in an Australian accent? I was like, yeah. Thankfully. I have an Australian friend who was like, okay, yeah, this sounds all right. Well, we got a ton more of voice acting issues and comments to make. Not really issues, but we're going to be discussing X-Men Evolution coming up. You guys ready to get into your Saturday morning cartoons? Yes. Oh, yeah. I started hours ago. X-Men Evolution, Episode 3, Rogue Recruit, premiered on Kids WB, November 18th, 2000. 
And then episode four was a week later, Mutant Crush premiered on Kids WB on November 25th, 2000, right around the American Thanksgiving time frame. Michelle, what happened during these episodes? There has to be an IMDb description on them. Of course. Rogue Recruit. In Mississippi, a girl known as Rogue learns she has the power to absorb the memories, energy, and powers of others. This frightens her, but also leads to both the X-Men and the Brotherhood trying to find her for their own purposes. Mutant Crush. A large mutant boy, Fred, Blob, Dukes, enrolls in Bayville High. It is soon apparent that Fred has many issues with his powers and his feelings for Jean. Lauren? What's your overall thoughts of these two episodes? Ooh, okay. So other than toxic masculinity ruins the party again, it's still got some early episode roughness, but it's, I think, doing a really good job setting up, like introducing the characters, setting up their whole thing. We're getting to see the villain side of things now and not just going straight through introducing all of the hero team. I like that. I think it's interesting to see the similarities and differences on how two outsiders make friends. Did we talk about the intro song last time? If we didn't, we need to talk about the intro song this time. Did we? I don't remember. We did not. No, no, we, did. we did not. Right. Let's talk about that. But first, let's talk about the concept of X-Men friendship. Well, we have Kurt, who we've been introduced it was the first couple of episodes and he's the obvious outsider not only is he new but he also needs a device to look quote-unquote normal because he's usually a blue individual with a tail and we've got fred a person who is large not only in body you know height and rotund he's just a very big individual they're both outsiders. They both have appearances others really don't like. Majority of people don't like. Well, Fred is taking the don't laugh at me, which is true. Don't laugh at me. I would appreciate it if you don't laugh at me. But he takes it to the extreme and gets volatile about it. He gets violent. Then you have Kurt, who's really trying hard to fit in, trying to impress Kitty, using the device, and is tolerating being called Elf. I don't know about you, but I wouldn't want to be called Elf. Maybe he'll end up liking it. I don't know. But he's putting up with it right now. Just the way... I really see Kurt kind of as a giant puppy here because he really wants everybody to like him and he's doing what he thinks that they want to see from him to be able to get everybody to like him. And it's just, it's so cute in a lot of ways. And from Fred, yeah, you've got somebody who has had to build up this mask of I'm the toughest person. You're never going to hurt me kind of thing and don't make fun of me but you can really kind of see the pain behind all of this of he doesn't have anybody who has ever really been his friend and everybody has just kind of put up with him in a friendship adjacent way because they've wanted to be able to use his size and strength and everything so 
I can kind of understand why he's wanting to go to these extremes, but no, it's not a good thing. So I should note the fuzzy elf thing is the thing from the comics. I don't think it's been a thing for a long time, but in the 90s it was. One of the things that's become really apparent to me as we're doing this rewatch, you know, 20 years on older me. The way that the Brotherhood is recruiting is really similar to the way that a lot of real life people get radicalized is because you have these, first of all, teenagers, young adults, all the hormones are there. Things are incredibly volatile. Your brain is still forming. And who have we seen join the Brotherhood so far? We have Toad, who has, um, you know, again, unconventional appearance, unconventional behavior. From the look of both his and Avalanche's clothes, it's very much how things were coded at the time for not the best home life. We have the attempt at radicalizing Rogue, who was a goth, which again, in the 90s, was a code for home problems. And we have Fred, who, again, not a conventional-looking person. And then you have the X-Men, who are, with the exception of Kurt, the normal-looking people. And Kurt, they're able to disguise that. So we have these kids being preyed upon, essentially, by somebody who is like, we can raise them up the way we want to, to radicalize them to our cause, which in this case is just kind of being against Xavier. There's not really an end game that we know of yet. All we know of is good guys, bad guys, or at least good teens, bad teens. Well, this was 2000. Endgame didn't come until 2019. But um. Just wanted to get that one out there. Mutants, traditionally on film, on screen, and in the comics, their story is one of manipulation. Whether it's good guys, bad guys, or non-mutants trying to manipulate mutants or use mutants for their own cause, right? Very similar to normal people, I guess, when it comes down to it in society. But you're seeing this, and you're seeing this in this cartoon that's made for younger children, really not like really little children, but you know, the, the tweens basically. Right. So you're seeing this come out in that sort of market and it's without explanation, really. So you have to pick it up on your own as you're going along, which it's good for kids to make their own decisions, but like the blob here, or Fred, as I'm assuming we're going to call him Fred, right? It just feels rude. I mean, I know that's been his mutant code name since like the 60s, but it always just felt really rude to me. Yeah. So you've got Fred here, which is, you know, he's being pushed around basically by the manipulation of everything. And then he just needs to learn to get along with everybody else, really, when it comes down to it. And nobody's teaching him how to do it. And he needs, to learn from example, he needs to have some guidance and he really doesn't. And even with 
Mystique's group. We know it's Magneto, but right now Mystique's group, there's no like you need to fit in with everybody, and this is bad behavior. Well, he also needs to learn that not everything is about him. Like the entire food fight thing in the cafeteria started because he walked by a couple people who happened to be laughing. And it had nothing to do with him at all. If anything, Rogue should have gotten mad at that because that's who they were laughing about. But Fred just happened to hear the laughing, and he's so used to everybody laughing at him that he assumed that it was about him. And, you know, granted, part of that is because a lot of the time when he hears it, it is about him. But he's not really giving anybody much of a chance to prove that they can be a good person towards him. I think that episode in particular pointed out that a fully cooked hamburger hurtled by a very, very strong individual can become a lethal weapon. (laughs) Uh, That part took me back. This was right around the time for me that my school was undergoing a food fight epidemic. I made the mistake of wearing a white shirt to school one day and getting Kool-Aid thrown on me. And shortly after that, they stopped serving Kool-Aid at lunch. I don't are food fights still a thing. Uh, Younger audience members, let us know. I'm curious. Lauren, as far as I know, you're the only person I know who has ever been in a school food fight. I was in nine in the same week. How many lunches did you go to? Just one, but, you know, I guess, well, I guess technically it was probably the same fight, just picking up again later. Mm, Just simmering down a little bit and then turning the burner up and then, you know, boiling over. Yes. Like all the cooking analogies in that food fight. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just one for me. And it was an elementary school. Yeah, this was my sophomore year of high school. Things came to a head when the principal tried to break it up and got, oh, what was it? Like tuna salad smooshed in her face. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I was involved in a... Uh militaristic organization food fight and we were all prepared for it we all clothed appropriately and you know we all took it out on each other but it was it was it meant going in to be nobody was going to get hurt so well this is a minority i never thought i'd be in yeah (laughs) (laughs) well fond memories of the united states air force academy for me yeah all right Michelle, you got a note here about gene i i think that we need to talk about it because it is at least written into all the mutant stuff. Why does everyone have to have a thing for Gene? I don't want to, in the, my notes, I said, boy, but maybe there's some girls or non-binary members of this high school who also have a thing for Gene. What is it about her? There are plenty of other individuals at this school. Why is she the crush girl? Everybody loves the tall redhead, I guess. I mean, that that's pretty much it. Although Rogue is really my pick here. Jean Same. is also not a bad pick. Yeah, and here you have the bonus of her being like the first one who's actually nice to Fred and... Okay, so I've been in this situation where somebody mistakes being nice for interest. It's incredibly awkward. It's 
sometimes, as in this episode, there does come a point where the only way you can get it to stop is to be mean. And I hate that. But. I mean, people, please. Common courtesy and politeness does not equal interest. Which Fred, I guess, learns by the end of the episode. I think a lot of boys don't really get that because they do partake the interest as as the attention as interest for a large majority of young boys won't even say men it's really really boys that it boils down to it takes most boys a long time to realize once you've broached that puberty demarcation line from i'm not interested in girls ooh cooties to oh girls hey this is a thing it takes a while to get over that and that's one of the things that makes high school so miserable for most guys at least is because they just can't figure it out me included i'm not saying i was any better i'm not gonna throw chris under the bus here but definitely the majority of of guys that i've seen have gone through this so it would be nice to be able to come to terms with that earlier it doesn't help when you have an all boys school that you attend during that period, by the way, personal experience there. So it is, it is something that I wish a lot of girls don't have to go through. And some of the schools that I had a choice to attend in high school did have a corresponding all girl school and an all boys school. I only went to an all boys school for a year, by the way. And just the fact that you have all boys and all girls schools where the girls, uh, it's meant to be a protection and a growth and a non-threatening environment, and, and I could see that. But the interactions that you get are few and far between, so you don't actually, it's kind of a reverse thing. You don't get to grow in society just by being sheltered. So I don't know what the true optimization is there, but yeah, a lot of guys just don't get that. and. Since this is set in a high school setting, I can totally get why they're going down here, but it would be the same for Kate Pride, and we do see that a little bit here, and it's the same with it's the same with all the young women in here. You don't see it with Storm much, but you see it with just about everybody else. Well, yeah, Storm is an, an adult, adult and therefore presumably has her stuff together a bit more, at least. Yeah, I mean, she has a unique way of flirting with Wolverine. This show made me ship them. It made me ship them very hard. Kaylee was saying something about how um, Xavier, when he was talking to Rogue, I think it was, telepathically, he just said, oh, she's in trouble. And Kaylee was sitting there, was like, he needs to tell him who's in trouble. It's like, well... Kitty is with them, and Storm is Storm, so she's going to take care of herself anyway. It doesn't matter. It's obviously Rogue. That's the only other girl here. Gene, that's who it was. He was talking to Gene. It could have been somebody else. It could have been a new mutant whose powers were just activated. Yeah, Xavier, be more precise. Yeah, Cerebro wasn't around. So it couldn't be a new mutant. He wouldn't know because Cerebro's not there. So those powers work. I just don't get it. Ugh. Again, early episodes, they're figuring things out, but 
Yeah, no, it is kind of bothersome. I did like at the beginning how Wolverine is trying to infiltrate. He's, you know, black hatting, gray hatting, red hatting, whatever. He's he's trying to find out what the vulnerabilities are of the mansion, right? And then they get into the the room, the danger room, and he starts tearing it up or whatever. And then Xavier just shuts it down. It's like, no, we can't afford this. Let's just <laughs> contain the damage. Let's shut it down. Let's stop it. That is so realistic. Any training, anything that you do like this, they're like, oh, we need to find out what's going on until you start destroying things. And they're like, no, 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 no. Stop, 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 stop. Knock it off, knock it off, <laughs> knock it off. So that's the most realistic thing about this episode. I love that part of it, though. Just such a nice little touch to the real world. Talking about real world touches, I see a note with the whole, why is Wolverine wearing a helmet? Yes. Is, okay, this is during Lorne, correct me if I'm wrong, I believe this is during the whole kids need to wear helmets when they're bike need to bicycle, the helmet movement with the motorcycles, seatbelts, this whole safety Era. Very much so. And we want to teach, yeah, teach kids by example. So if Wolverine mm-hmm. is wearing a helmet, so should you. Good guy, Wolverine. Also, Wolverine might be able to heal himself, but that doesn't mean that he doesn't feel it when his head hits the ground. That's fair, but that is not Wolverine's mentality. Well, that's not comics Wolverine's mentality, and it's not movies Wolverine's mentality. This Wolverine is a little more grounded i feel like and committed to being a good role model okay half pint so another thing that i kind of wanted to address we sort of touched on it earlier contrasting with fred kidnapping jean to take her out to dinner because yeah that is totally a thing that works we have kurt wait wait you're not supposed to do that See, I learned something new every podcast. (laughs) So we have Kurt, who's trying to flirt with Kitty by just getting attention, which can be annoying, but yeah, perfectly valid way to flirt. Let's let's try to get attention by transporting yourself to the exterior of an aircraft, which is probably going about Mach 3 or 4. Yeah, that's smart. So when I was in kindergarten, a guy who was a friend of mine tried to impress me by drinking like a whole thermos of Kool-Aid in under a minute. And because I was five, it was impressive. And it was very much that sort of mentality. It's, hey, look what I can do. Pay attention to me. The puppy. Yeah. And then you have Rogue, who's doing the awkward teenage girl thing of, oh, I'm totally not interested. I'm totally interested. Please keep talking to me. With Scott. I do not miss being a teenager. <laughs> no, I am so, you know, I, I'm so removed from it. I've had teenage kids now and they're moved on and I never want to go back. I'm going to have grandkids pretty soon, but I'm like, okay, they're, so they're grandkids. I'll just be able to shake my head and go kids these days. And, th- and that's it, right? Yeah, I would like to not have the back pain, but. I don't miss the drama and the hormones and just ugh, don't miss it at all. 19 was fine. Everything else sucked. <laughs> so Rogue 
is not immediately joining the group. This is going to be a slow burn. I've never watched this before, but she is not just going into the group. She's also not completely in with Mystique, although she's actually talking to Mystique versus Xavier. So I don't know, Michelle, what do you think about this? I like it. With Kitty, it was, we rescued you, now join the group, and she did. And now we have Ro, who's being manipulated by Mystique, and she's confused. She touched Storm by mistake. So she's got all of these emotions and hormones and memories swirling around. I just like how it's not, we're the X-Men, come join us. And everybody's like, yay. I'll do that. I do like how it's going to have to be more of a dance with Rogue. They're basically dating Rogue. You can't dance with Rogue, though. We already proved that that's a dangerous thing to do. That's what happens when you touch people. Why was the school dance at a bar? The gym was used for basketball. Was it at a bar? Or was it at a place that had a bar, but also was like a restaurant? I guess it was supposed to be kind of like the bronze in Buffy the Vampire Slayer, where it's like a teen bar. I mean, I took it as the local VFW that was just being rented out for the night. That can make sense. And it doesn't have to be VFW. I mean, there there's all sorts of organizations, Moose Lodges, whatever, that get rented out for that sort of thing. That's just what it reminded me of. But the Buffy the Vampire Slayer thing, that plays, actually. I, I saw a funny uh, Instagram reel on that uh, the other day. So I will have to send it to you. I will appreciate that. One thing I did really like about these two episodes was the development of Rogue's character. We not only see, okay, this is why she's very standoffish. We find out she is adopted, her, or at least fostered, her, her adoptive slash foster mother. Irene Adler, a.k.a. Destiny, has been sheltering her deliberately. And we find out that Mystique and Irene and kind of, by extension, Magneto, have been essentially planning to to groom her to join their organization by limiting who she talks to and by encouraging her to dress weird. I would argue that dressing vaguely goth is not weird, but then again, I am a lazy goth. She's a hot topic goth. Yeah, she's a, at this point, she's a Hot Topic goth at a time when Hot Topic was just starting, I guess. I don't remember when Hot Topic was founded, but this was High around the time you start seeing it in malls. for me, so this is not too far off. Yeah. And we also find out that how her, pow- her powers work. Not only does she absorb power, she, she absorbs memories. It messes her up because, hey, guess what? It's hard enough being a teenager in your own brain alone and then throw in like three other sets of memories on there. It's got to be confusing. And we see that for her. Yeah. Rogue's powers in, and I will label them as new powers in this compared to the other series, right? They're, they're new powers. She gets all the memories and then assumes the identity, not just the powers, right? So 
she is now in this messy boy's room and that she's thinking it's her room. That's got to really freak her out because I assume based on her upbringing with Irene that her room was nice and neat and everything. And then she's in this messy room. That would really like my girls that would freak them out. It's like, whoa, I got to clean this room up or, you know, something's off here or whatever. I totally get that. Maybe that's just my experience with my daughters. But yeah, it's got to be very disoriented. So I was on a medication for a while. They thought I was having seizures. I wasn't. It was weird migraines. But this particular medication was giving me really bad memory problems. So I would end up getting lost in completely familiar places. And it's kind of terrifying to look at something that you know should be. You you should know this and realize I have no idea what's going on. And that's just, you know, a short, like minute long thing on medication. Imagine having a whole other person set of memories that this has never happened to you. So you don't know how to separate your memories from theirs, your experiences from theirs. It's it's got to be terrifying. I mean, you already have enough of an identity crisis as a teenager in high school. Throw on actual identity crises on top of that. And they are throwing out the idea that she seems to be getting better at controlling whatever aspects of the person she touches that she picks up, which, you know, could be just her power developing or could be her just getting better at using it. But I think the one really interesting aspect here is she's still got that communicator that Jean gave her. And after all of the fear tactics that Mystique is using to try to get her to hate all the X-Men, she's holding on to that. And it's really making me wonder how much of the comics rogue backstory we're going to get versus how much of a brand new thing. Because you could totally do this without Carol Danvers at all with how they're setting it up. Yeah, I don't think Carol's involved in this one, just by the way they set it up. No, there's, there is a comics crossover that happens, I believe, early in season three. But that was the only one that was allowed. Wonder if they're going to continue that storyline in X Men '97. By the way, the whole I hope so. Carol Danvers thing. Because the last time we saw Carol, she was still in the hospital, I believe, in X Men '92. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, good point there. And they have been hinting left, right, and backwards about siblings and parentage <laughs> and everything. If you haven't gone into it, if you're you know, listening to this episode of Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. as we cover evolution, I'm not going to spoil it for you, but they have been hinting and placing stuff all over the place of the actual relationships between some of these characters. The one that got me was, he's like an annoying little brother. Well, yeah, I know. We'll, we'll just see about that. Just put a pin in that for now. Yeah. We'll, we'll return to this later. <laughs> You know, one thing I, I want to go back to one of the very first things that we were talking about of Fred and his issues. And if you find yourself in this situation, even as an adult, my best thing for you, especially after podcasting for 10 years, is to embrace the improv of yes and. If somebody's laughing at you, if something bad happens to you and everybody's laughing at you, whatever, just kind of lean into it and turn it and make it into a positive, funny moment for yourself. 
That is one of the benefits of improv training. I know like inside it's going to hurt. Like, oh my gosh, everybody thinks I'm a fool and they're laughing at me and that sort of stuff. But if you're able to turn that and then laugh at yourself with other people and then make it into a positive environment with everybody else, I think that is a good way forward. I can't give you anything specific if you're if you really want to lean into this other than maybe you should actually go to improv training yourself and start to learn some of these techniques. So a song of ice and fire game of Thrones. It's a media property with a lot of problems much as I love it. I will admit that. But in the very first book slash season, there is a character who is a little person who is talking with a character who is a bastard in the actual proper sense of the word, you know, no, no father. And they're having a conversation and Tyrion Lannister, the little person mentions like, yeah, I, they call me this. I lean into it because if, if I own this, they can't hurt me with it. And having been bullied for a pretty large chunk of my life being short, not being Mexican enough, being weird, being somebody who liked to read, somebody who likes Star Wars, things like that. I just kind of made it all my thing. And yeah, when I mean, I was as an adult, you look back on it now and it's like, yeah, it, it sucked. People were teasing me about that. But leaning into it kind of gave me this freedom. When I was in the classroom, I would, there would be that one student at the beginning of the year who would try to do the fat joke. And I would stop and it's like, okay, all right, you have 30 seconds. What do you all got? Come on, let's get creative. What do you all got? You got 30 seconds starting right now. And there would be silence, just absolute silence. And from then on, they didn't try anything like that. It also helps if you roast their attempts. Like if you get, okay, pro tip. If you get funnier than the people who are trying to insult you, it completely turns back around on them. It's great. So in addition to Fred's issues, we have traditionally Cyclops, who is, is, is quite frankly a jerk in every single iteration, except for this one. I mentioned it last time, but Chris, what do you got for this? You wanted to explore it again. He's not a jerk so far. I'm willing to go that far with it. He is getting seeming really controlling of Jean and jealous that other people are breathing the same air as her. And I can definitely see the jerkness that is probably going to emerge, but like he's he's mad that Fred and Jean might be friends. He's mad that Jean is going to hang out with somebody else. It, I mean, come on, dude, you're allowed to have other friends. But at the same time, he's one of the people who are like directly nice to Rogue. One thing that I really like about his portrayal in this series is it would be so easy to make him be a popular kid, make him be one of the jocks. People forget that his nickname when he was first introduced in the comics was Slim. He was kind of a skinny kid. Here he's, he's not a jock. He's not really a theater kid. He doesn't really fit into any of the traditional high school cliques. He's just kind of there. 
And so I think speaking of identity crises, his whole identity, he has made X-Men. But again, along with that comes he's still a teenager. He's a teenager with a crush. I've said before, this is one of the few incarnations of Cyclops that I actually liked. And so far, that's still holding kind of true. Yeah, we're only four episodes in, so we'll see. We did get a couple of, of new characters, and that enabled us to get a couple of new voice actors as well. Okay, so, like I said last time, all of these voice actors are in one of or more of three things. Stargate properties, anime, and Hallmark movies. So here we have Megan Black, who plays Rogue. She has been in comparatively less than a lot of the other voice actors, but she was in an episode of Stargate Atlantis, and she was, I believe, one of the major characters in a TV show that used to air fairly recently called Class of the Titans. It was based off Greek mythology. We also have Michael Dobson, who plays Fred, who was... I think in only like one or just a very few episodes of Inuyasha, but he was kind of a recurring character on My Little Pony Friendship is Magic a few years ago. And given the number of episodes that he's listed in, I guess he's one of the leads in Ninjago, which I don't watch, but because I would have Cartoon Network on all the time, I'd see the commercials. So good for them. The we're four episodes in. We've got a lot more to cover. This has been a fun one to cover. I said at the very beginning we need to talk about the intro music. It is, in my opinion, a version of the '92 series. So they took the '92 series one, they spruced it up a little bit, but it's still based on the same like theme, the overall theme. It is not as iconic, I don't think, but. I enjoyed at least hearing the tidbits of the 92 series in it. You know, there's definitely that base there. The first thing I turned to Kaylee and said when we heard this was, oh crap, there's a couple notes from 97 or from 92. We'd also just been talking about 97, so I probably screwed it up there too. And it's almost like that hey, we need you to write a song that sounds like We Will Rock You, but not get us the copyright infringement. <laughs> distinct, legally distinct. <laughs> I like that. And the intro is also pretty nice. You get the characters that are introduced one by one, and then you get the collage the and with a superhero pose in there, you know, superhero landing pose as part of that shot, so... I'm enjoying this. I don't think I would have identified it with it so much when it came out in 2000. I think it was skewed younger than I would have been watching at the time. And I, quite frankly, I was a full ass adult back then. So yeah, that's, I'm enjoying it now just because I know the X-Men background and I'm watching for the characters and, you know, there's specific what makes them them in this specific iteration and i've been around enough now and i've read enough comics now after 10 years of podcasting on marvel that i know this just recycles over and over and over again you know they reboot it it's not just one continuous thing that's how they try to make the money so okay well let's go with this iteration and see it we're going to get 
a reboot of the X-Men in the MCU eventually because the Fox stuff is done. So we're going to see new characters on screen eventually as well. Anyway, it's been pretty fun so far. You guys still thumbs up on it? Oh yeah, nostalgia is still there for me. I am. I'm ready to see what happens because I haven't seen this and I want to know. All right. I haven't seen it either. So next time we get together, we're going to be talking about X-Men Evolution Episode 5, Speed and Spike, and Episode 6, Middleverse. Interesting. In the meantime, we're going to go ahead and take our weekend trip since it's Saturday and Saturday morning cartoons are over for now. We're going to take our weekend trip on the SR-77 Blackboard on our way out. We appreciate you sticking with us as we're going through this content in the middle of the Screen Actors Guild and the Writers Guild strikes. And just a reminder that is going on still right now. And that is one of the reasons why we're covering this also, because I think it's kind of cool. So this has been fun so far, but thank you very much for staying with us. If you have any feedback, please get it to us. Uh, best place is probably a Discord server at gunnageek.com slash Discord. I want to thank all of the listeners who are joining us. If it's, if you're revisiting X-Men Evolution, if this is your first time watching X-Men Evolution, we'd love to hear what you think about all of this. So get a hold of us. Yeah, hop on our Discord. Come, come enjoy everything. And we hope that you are enjoying listening to us. Yes, we always appreciate it when you listen to us and interact with us. And our Discord, I keep talking about the Discord, even if all you do is come and read, which sometimes that's what I do, sometimes I lurk, it's still entertaining. And those lurkers, and sometimes when one of them pops in and makes just a really good comment, seemingly out of nowhere, it's so amazing to see that. So you can be one of those people, you know, set yourself up for that. Come read everything and just know when you can pop in your super amazing comment. Well, I can't wait to watch these next two episodes on Saturday morning and next week. And until then, I'll see everybody later. Bye. Bye bye. 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 Food fight. I don't know, the Spike guy is looking really familiar. Thank you for listening. If you want to leave us feedback, go to gunnageek.com and you will find all our contact information and other shows. You can also visit legendsofshield.com where you'll find our complete archive of podcasts. The music heard on this podcast is by Kevin McLeod, found at incompetech.com and also artists on pond5.com and audiojungle.net. The opinions heard on this podcast are those of the individual hosts and do not represent Stargate Pioneer Productions, Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., or Gunna Geek. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is the property of the Disney Corporation, Marvel Studios, and ABC. No infringement is intended. So in the meantime, we're going to be working on a completely original horror thing for Halloween. So that's going to be fun.
I hope I get to die. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. <laughs> I think I've gotten better since then. Yeah, you have some experience there. <laughs> yes, I have that queued up. In addition to a, a bunch of other stuff. Hey, baby, want to kill all humans? <laughs> Higher, further, faster, more! I like that one. I wish they had kept the more for the MCU. Human spit is not one of the weirder things that's ever been put in food. I don't have kids and I'm a nerd. <laughs> <laughs> Still true. Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. is copyright 2013 through 2023.